0: أشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدًا عبده ورسوله أما بعد. Continuing with بلوغ المرام، I will ابن حجر رحمه الله تعالى. We've now reached the Hadith of Abu Fagha' al Khushani رضي الله عنه قال: قلت يا رسول الله إن بأرض قوم أهل الكتاب أهل كتاب أفعل أكل في آنيتهم. فقال صلى الله عليه وسلم لا تاكلوا فيها الا ان لا تجدوا غيرها فاغسلوها وكلوا فيها متفق عليه. We also have the hadith of Imran ibn Hussein radiyallahu anhumā an an-nabiyya sallallahu alayhi wa sallam wa ashabahu tawaddaw min mazadat imra'at mushrika alayhi fi hadith tawil. And also, An Anas ibn Malik radiallahu anhu, anna qadahan Nabi sallam in Qasr, fa taqha the makan as sha'abi salsalatan min fiddah. Akhrajahul Bukhari. So, you have these three ahadith now. The first of them, the hadith of Abu Fa'alaba al Khushani. Abu Fa'alaba, that's his kunya, and that's what he became famous with. Abu Fa'alaba, as for his actual name, then they differed about it. Some of them said, perhaps it is Jerthum. Ibn Nashir. Some of them said Jirham Ibn Nashir, but the point being, he became famous with the name Abu Thalaba, Abu Thalaba Al Khushani. Khushani being the particular tribe that he was from. So in this hadith, he says, "Qultu that I said, Ya Rasul O Messenger of Allah, inna that we are living in the land of the people of the book." We are living in a land where there are many from amongst the people of the book there. Then should we eat in their utensils? فَقَالَ صَلَى اللَّهِ Wasallam So the Prophet said, لَا تَأْكُلُوا فيها, Do not eat in them, i.e. those utensils of theirs, إِلَّا أَنْ لَا Tajidu غَيْرَهَا Except if you cannot find anything else. In that case, فَغْسِلُوهَا وَكُلُوا فِيهَا Wash them, and use them, eat in them. So in this hadith, Abu Tha'ab al Khushani he says to the Prophet wasallam, we are living in a land where there are many from the people of the book. What is the land that he was referring to? It was Sham. Sham was the area that, were li- that they were living in at that time. And it was known that at that time, Sham... That was an area where there was many from the people of the book residing in it. So he says that we're living in this land where there are many from the people of the book. People of the book, that is the Jews and the Christians, known as the people of the book because they were given books. Their prophets were given books or the prophets who were sent to those nations. Musa a.s. was given a Torah, and Isa a.s. was given an Injil. And the Injil, the Bible, it is a completion of the Taurat. It is a completion of the Torah. That's why uh, you hear them saying the Old Testament and the New Testament. The Old Testament being the Torah, and the New Testament being the Injil. So these are the books that they were given because the people of disbelief are different types. Some of them are Wathaniyun, these idol worshippers. Some of them may be atheists who claim they do not believe in a creator. And some of them are disbelievers of this nature that they are from the people of the book, because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala sent down books to the messengers. Uh, so this land that they were in, that was Sham, and that's where many of the people of the book were residing at that time. So Abu Tha'la al-Khushani asked the Prophet sallam, can we eat in their utensils? Because there are so many of them, we live amongst them. Are we allowed to use their utensils and eat in their utensils? So the Prophet ﷺ said, لَا تَأْكُلُوا فيها, Do not eat in their utensils. Don't use their cups and plates. إِلَّا أَنْ لَا تَجِدُوا غيرها. However then, the Prophet ﷺ gave in this hadith an exception. The exception being, if you cannot find any other utensils. If you do not have any other utensils, فَغَسِلُوهَا فَقُلُوا مِنْهَا or fiha. Then the Prophet said, then wash them and eat in them. So here, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, Hafizahullah, he says, the Prophet wasallam permitted for them to use those utensils with two conditions. الشرط الأول أن لا يجدوا That they cannot find anything else. There is nothing else available. Meaning that if they did find something else, then it wouldn't be permissible to use. So here, that's what the hadith apparently indicates: that if you cannot find any other utensils, then you can take the utensils of the kuffar, wash them, and use them. The second condition is that you must wash them. بالماء, that before they use them, then they must wash them. So this is what the Prophet ﷺ indicated in this hadith. The Sheikh says, "For the hadith, al Mana. من استعمال أَوَانِي الْكُفَارِ إِلَّا بِهَذَيْنَ Apparently this hadith seems to indicate that it is impermissible to use the utensils of the kuffar except with these two conditions. One, that you cannot find anything else. And secondly, that if you are in that situation where you cannot find anything else, you can use them but only if you wash them first. That's what this hadith indicates in brief. The full details of it will come to at the end. Then the second hadith in brief. The hadith of Imran ibn Hussein, where he said that the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, they made wudu in a water skin. A water skin is what they used to have sometimes, they might take some skin or some lining of a particular organ of an animal and they make like a leather pouch, like a leather, like a bag. They make a bag out of it and they can pour water in it and tie the top of it and that water stays in that bag. So they had these types of pouches, these types of water skins. In this hadith, it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ and his companions they made wudu from a water skin that belonged to a mushrika woman. Well, belonged to a disbelieving woman, and a, a polytheist woman. So they made this wudu from the water that was in this pouch that belonged to this disbelieving woman. So that pouch is a utensil of the kuffar. So this hadith indicates that it's permissible to use the utensils of the kuffar. Apparently now this hadith indicates ظاهر حديث إمران بن حسين جواز استعمال This hadith seems to indicate that you can use the utensils of the kuffar without any conditions. Because here the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, they needed to make wudu and they used water that was being stored in a water skin or a pouch that belonged to this disbelieving woman. So that is considered as a utensil of a disbeliever. A mushrika at that, not even from the people of the book. Or perhaps it was people of the book, but the term used is mushrika. That she was somebody who committed shirk. She was upon that polytheism. And they used her water skin, they used her utensil. They took the water out of that and they made wudu from it. That's what this hadith indicates. And there's a story behind that. There's a story behind how this happened. Um, and the hadith actually is very long. The full hadith is lengthy. This is a small excerpt from that hadith that the Shaykh al Al-Hafiz ibn Hajar has mentioned here. The full story is that the Prophet ﷺ and his companions, they were upon a journey. They were upon a journey on one occasion and their water, it ran out. So the Prophet وسلم, he sent Ali Radiallahu Anhu and another man, two of them, they went looking for water. So they found this woman, this disbelieving woman, upon a camel, and she had two water skins, two pouches, two bag types of things full of water either side of the camel, and she was riding in the middle of the camel. So they asked her, they said to her, Where did you get this water from? Where have you filled up your pouches of water? Where have you filled up these bags of water from? She said to them that this water, I filled up my bags, these pouches, it was about a day's journey. It was this time yesterday where I had found that water. Meaning she'd been traveling for a day from the place where she found the water. She said to them, I had found this water this time yesterday. So imagine she's been on a camel traveling and traveling and traveling, how far she's got from where that place of the water was. For a day she's been traveling on her camel away from that place of the source of the water. So that indicates that the water was far away. She had collected this water 24 hours ago, miles away. So it indicated that the water was very far away. So in any case, then uh, she came to the Prophet ﷺ. And uh, the Prophet ﷺ, he commanded... That water should be taken. A little bit of water should be taken from both of these pouches, and then the Prophet ﷺ made du'a, made du'a upon this small amount of water. He said, "Usku was That drink from it, and uh, you, uh, drink from it, and take it as provisions also. Now drink from it and take it as provisions also. And so the Prophet ﷺ put his hand into the water, and in one narration he says that he did some spittle. Not spit, spit is a big amount. Spittle is a small amount. A small amount of spittle into this water, and barakah was put into that water, and the whole army that was with the Prophet ﷺ, they were able to make wudu from it, and they were able to take extra for provisions to use later. From that small amount of water, the two little pouches, the two small bags that they had from the woman, So this indicates a miracle from the miracles of the Prophet that they took a small amount of water from these pouches. The Prophet made dua upon that, in one narration it says he did some spittle into it, and the whole army that was with the Prophet used that water. It was sufficient for all of them. On top of that, they even had spare to take with them as provisions. So this is one of the miracles of the miracles of the Prophet. And there's other examples of that. There are other examples of where this type of thing happened. There's another narration where the Prophet ﷺ, he was out in the Battle of Tabuk. And they ran out of provisions. When they were out in the Battle of Tabuk, they ran out of provisions. So the people, they came to ask the Prophet ﷺ, they said to him that we've run out, shall we slaughter some of our camels? They had camels with them as a part of the army. Camels that they can ride on as they're going along for battle. So some of the companions, some of the people, they came and said to the Prophet ﷺ, shall we just slaughter some of our camels that we've got with us? The ones that we were using to ride and to take our weapons and things like that. Shall we just slaughter one or two of those or some of those and eat them? So the Prophet ﷺ allowed them. He said, yes, you can do that. He allowed them to do it. But then Umar ibn Khattab came to the Prophet ﷺ and he said to them, or he said to him, that I fear Umar ibn Khattab said to the Prophet "I fear that if we start to slaughter our camels, then in the end, we're going to end up using them all and eating them and we won't have any riding animals left. We won't be able to have anything to ride on and to go upon our journey with. All our camels will be gone. We'll we'll run short with our camels. So then Umar ibn Khattab suggested that they uh, should request from everyone all of the people that were there, all of the companions, etc., who were there, to request from everyone that whatever little bit of provisions they've got left, they should bring them forward. Instead of uh, sacrificing the camels, instead of sacrificing the camels that they needed, Umar ibn Khattab, he said to the Prophet why don't we get everyone to collect whatever little bits they've got? So the Prophet agreed to that. So all of the people, all of the companions, they came with whatever they had. Some people had a little bit of wheat Some people had a few dates. Some people had some other uh, nuts and whatever it might have been. They all had little bits and bobs. All had little bits of food. And they came and they brought them together. And they laid them out on a, like a cloth. They laid all of this food out that they had. Then the Prophet ﷺ, he made dua upon that. And then when the people, they carried their food away, it filled their utensils. That was from the barakah of the Prophet ﷺ upon that small amount of food. So these are some of the examples that are mentioned about uh, the Prophet ﷺ and the miracles of the Prophet ﷺ. So then the Sheikh says that these two hadith, they seem to indicate that perhaps they are opposites in their meaning. It seems to indicate, seems to indicate that perhaps it looks like there's a difference of situations here. The first hadith indicates that you cannot use the utensils of the kuffar except if you can't find anything and you washed it, but normally you can't. The second hadith seems to indicate that you can hear this disbelieving woman. She came and they used her water from her pouches. There was no such thing as uh, the Prophet giving the commandment that you have to wash these pouches first or anything. They took the water, they made wudu and they used it. So this hadith seems to indicate that you can use the utensils of the kuffar without any conditions. The first hadith though of Abu Tha'la al Khoshani seems to indicate there are conditions. Otherwise you can't use it. And that's what the shaykh says in this section لأن حديث بثعلب يدل على المنع من استعمال أواني الكفار إلا عند الحاجة إليها مع غسلها. The حديث بثعلب in indicates you cannot use the utensils of the kuffar except when there is a need, when you have nothing else. And even then you have to wash them first. وحديث إمران يدل على جواز استعمال أواني الكفار والشرب منها والوضوء منها بدون شرط. And the حديث بمران بن حسين indicates you can use the utensils of the kufar to drink from them to make wudu from them without any conditions attached wa yu'ayyidu hadith imran then the shaykh says the hadith of imran ibn Hussein, which indicates you can use the utensils of the kufar without having to wash them without any other conditions there are many other ahadith, which support that opinion minha annahum اللَّهُ عَنْهُمْ كَانُوا فِي الْغَزَوَاتِ مِنَ الْكُفَارِ يُذْكَرْ أَنَّ رَسُولَهُ أَمَرَهُمْ أَنْ Some of the evidences that indicate you can use the utensils of the kuffar without any conditions attached is that there are narrations where the companions or where the people they used to go out into battles and when they were out in these battles they would retrieve clothing from the kuffar. When they would conquer those lands, they would take clothing from the kuffar for example. Their cloth and their clothing etc. And they would take some of their utensils. After uh, defeating them and winning them in battle, they would recover some uh, utensils from them, some clothes from them, and they would take them and use them. And it is not mentioned anywhere that the Prophet ﷺ used to tell them or command them, that if you do go out in battle against the disbelievers, and you defeat them, and you end up finding utensils and clothes, that you have to wash them first before using them. There is no narration of that type. So it is known that they used to take those utensils and clothes, after defeating the kufar and use them without any washing mentioned, without any commandment of having to wash them. Uh, وَكَذَلِكَ كَانَتْ مَسْنُوعَاتِ الْكُفَارِ <coughs> مِنَ الْأَوَانِ وَغَيْرِهَا وَالثِّيَابِ الَّتِي يَنْسِجُونَهَا كَانَتْ تأتي إِلَىٰ أَسْوَاقِ المدينة وَلَمْ يُذْكَرْ أَنَّ النَّبِي صلى الله عليه وسلم Also the Shaykh says, Shaykh Salih al-Fawzan, حَفِظَهُ اللَّهُ that the clothes of the kuffar and the utensils of the kuffar, even in those days, through trade, some of those utensils and clothes of the kuffar, they used to come to Medina and be sold in Medina. Some of these tradespeople, They would end up buying clothes of the kuffar and utensils of the kuffar through the roots of trade and end up selling them in Medina. So they would be originally produced by the kuffar, those utensils and those clothes, and they were being sold in Medina. However, it's not narrated anywhere that the Prophet ﷺ used to say that these clothes and utensils that are produced, manufactured by the kuffar, you have to wash them before you use them. It's not mentioned anywhere. So that is another evidence that you can take their utensils and clothes and wear them and use them without having to wash them. So these types of evidences, فهذه على أن أوان الكفار وثياب الكفار وما سبغوه وما نسجوه وما سنعوه أن الأصل فيه ما لم تعلم نجاسته فيغسل. These ahadith indicate that the utensils of the kuffar, the plates and the cups of the kufar, and the clothes of the kufar and those other things that they uh, Die and they make and they manufacture and their products that they are in their basis fundamentally pure and they can be used unless of course you know that there is some impurity on them then you wash it but otherwise the basis of this issue is that their utensils their cups their plates their clothes are pure to use why is that remember we said that impurity is two types impurity is two types what are the two types of impurity so there is a physical impurity there is a physical impurity feces and uh, urine and uh, these types of things are physical impurity what's the other type of impurity then you have physical impurity and you have what's, what's invisible impurity then what's abstract impurity There's something else that's being spoken about really when we say abstract impurity. The impurity of the kuffar. What's the impurity of the kuffar? It's like a... You could say the word like spiritual or abstract impurity. It's an impurity of shirk in their hearts. A kafir, if he washes himself with all of the shampoos and the soap and everything, completely washes his body. Is his body impure to touch? It's not. If you touch a kafir's body, that doesn't mean that you've become impure now. Imagine imagine in that example now, you have a kafir, he's washed himself completely, everything clean. Physically, is there any physical impurity on him now? His skin is like our skin, skin is skin. Physically, there's no impurity on him, but the impurity is in his heart. Here, the kuffar, that's what it meant. The impurity of the kuffar is not physical impurity. It doesn't mean that their skin has always got urine on it everywhere, or it's got their stool on it everywhere. The impurity of the kuffar is shirk in the hearts. It's that abstract type of impurity. (coughs) That invisible impurity as the brother said. That it's not physical on their skin, it's not physical things. It's an abstract impurity. That's why the utensils, if they wash them and they clean them, the utensils are clean. Their clothes, if they wash them and clean them, the clothes are clean. Whatever they make, it's clean. You can't say it's impure. It hasn't got urine on it, it hasn't got stool on it, it hasn't got other impurities on it, it's pure. The impurity of the kuffar isn't physical. It's an impurity which is of shirk. Physical impurity, obviously when they go to the toilet and they don't clean themselves, that becomes a physical impurity afterwards for some of them. But the asal is that the impurity of the kuffar. We don't say it's a physical impurity. It's an abstract impurity of the heart. That's why the utensils... And their clothes can be used without condition. That's what's mentioned so far. As for the Hadith of Abu Tha'laba then, how do we understand the Hadith of Abu Tha'laba al-Khushani? If we're going to say, that you can use the utensils of the kuffar, their plates and their cups and their clothes, you don't have to wash them, you can use them. Like the hadith of Imran ibn Hussein, like the stuff that they used to sell in Medina without washing it and cleaning it. Like the clothes and the utensils they used to get from battles without washing and cleaning it. All of those evidences indicate you can use their cups and plates and clothes without cleaning it. So then what does the hadith of Abu Tha'la mean? Where the Prophet ﷺ said, don't use them. Only if you can't find anything else then you can use them, but even then, wash them first. What does that mean then? How do we understand that then? If you're going to say you can use it without any condition. The scholars they say that, uh, فَيُحْمَلُ عَلَىٰ أَنَّ الْأَمْرَ بِغَسْلِهَا مِنْ بَابِ الْإِسْتِحْبَابِ وَالإحتياط لَا مِن باب That the commandment from the Prophet ﷺ to uh, wash those utensils before using them, is al istihbab wal-ihtiyat it It is something which is recommended. It's not obligatory. It's something which is recommended, and it is something which has precaution within it. It is something which has precaution within it. That you're making sure. You're making sure then that it is clean. Especially because Abu Tha'la, al Khoshani, he had uh, mentioned that they used to see the kuffar using their cups and plates to cook pig meat inside of it. And they used to see the kuffar using their cups to drink alcohol in it. So then, to be cautious, to make sure that this particular utensil isn't one of those that they had their pig and their drink and their alcohol in, wash it to make sure. So it's from recommendation. It's something which is good to do. It is recommended that you wash their items before using it, because of, this is what's mentioned that Abu Tha'laba, he said that they used to see them using their plates and utensils for cooking pig, uh, and also for drinking alcohol. So out of recommendation, and something which is precautionary, then you wash those utensils, but not out of obligation. Uh, So this hadith, it is built upon that purpose, upon that reasoning. That reasoning was that Abu Tha'l said, we've seen them using these utensils for these haram things, alcohol and pig and pork and those types of things. So based upon that, if that is the situation that you are in, that you know that these particular utensils of the kuffar you want to use, they are utensils that are used typically by them, for impurities like pig and alcohol. In that case, wash them first. But if that is not the case, you go to a shop, a kafir shop for example. He sells plates. Brand new plates, that haven't even been used yet. Are we going to say, no, you have to wash those? They haven't been used for anything yet. Let alone pig and alcohol, they haven't been used for anything. So you don't have to wash them. It's from istihbab, recommended to wash them. But there's no obligation. But this hadith seems to indicate that if you are aware that these particular utensils are being used for haram things, they are being used by the kufar for pigs and cooking that type of meat and drinking alcohol. Then you should wash them. As for if you do not witness you do not witness them using these utensils for impurities, then in that case you can take them and you can use them. There isn't uh, an obligation that you have to wash them. But the, the, the condition here seems to indicate if you are aware that certainly this plate has been used for pork and this cup has been used for alcohol. In that case, you must wash it then. You must wash it and then you can use it. But if that is not the case, then the asal is you can use it without having to wash it. That is because we said their impurity is abstract, not physical. That is in the ayah in Surah Tauba. tawbah Oh, you who believe, indeed the mushrikeen, they are Najas. they are impure. But what does this impurity mean in this ayah? The impurity of shirk. فَالْمُرَادْ بِهِي نَجَاسَةُ الشِّرْكِ the intended purpose here is the impurity of shirk. abdan, And the meaning isn't that they are physically impure in their bodies. Their bodies physically, that's not the meaning. Their meaning is the impurity of shirk in their hearts. So this impurity of shirk, it is like this abstract type of impurity, not physical. la al and the impurity of shirk cannot be purified with water. The impurity of shirk cannot be purified by water. If, some, if a kafir is a kafir, he's upon shirk, just because he has a ghusl, has that shirk come out of him now? So the impurity of shirk cannot be cleaned, cannot be purified with water. That is purified by tawheed. But the physical impurities are purified by water. You have some urine on you, wash it off with water and it purifies it. But the impurity of shirk, it is not washed away with water. Instead, it is the tawheed that cleans and purifies that impurity. So then the Sheikh concludes, As-Sahih ma dhahaba ilayhi jumhuru ahlil il anna awani al-kuffar alati yista'amilunaha wa thayabahum alati yilbisunaha wa masnu'atihim alati yisna'unaha wa yisbughunaha wa yansujunaha anna al-asr fiha tahara the correct opinion that the majority of the scholars have gone to, that the utensils of the kuffar which they use, utensils that have been used by them, we're not talking about necessarily new ones from the shop, even utensils that they have used, and clothes that they have used, and uh, utensils and clothes that they have manufactured and produced, then all of these types of things, the usal of them is that they are pure. The usal, the foundation, the basis, the fundamental, the principle, is that they are pure. And it is permissible to use them without having to wash them. And as for the moisture from the kuffar, for example their sweat, and their saliva, it is pure. You cannot say that the sweat of a kafir is impure, if you touch it you have to have ghusl. It's pure. The impurity is not physical. Because a human, he is pure. مِنَ النجاسة الْحِسِّيَّةِ وَلَوْ كَانَ كَافِرًا A human body physically is pure. Even if it's a kafir. Even if it's a kafir, skin is skin. We have skin, they have skin. Skin if you wash it with soap, it becomes clean. If a kafir washes himself, it's clean. So the impurity isn't physical. The impurity is the heart, which is the shirk for them. Something else which proves that the impurity of the kuffar isn't physical is what? Who can think of another example that proves that the impurity of the kuffar is not physical impurity? Is it permissible to marry kuffar? Mm, So it's permissible for the men to marry from the people of the book, Christians and Jews, with certain conditions. There are certain understandings to that, that they are chaste women, etc. These things, they come into this issue. But generally speaking, that will come to it when we get to the chapter of marriage, inshaAllah. But now, it's permissible, generally speaking, as the rule is, for a Muslim man to marry a Christian or a Jewish woman. If the Christian or the Jewish woman was physically impure, then how could it be permissible? What would the man have to do? Have to make ghusl all the time, every time he touches his wife. So again, it indicates to you that they are not physically impure. Um, Then we have the final hadith. So there, that's that issue concluded. That issue is that the cups and the plates of the kuffar, if you know definitely that these particular cups and utensils, the kuffar, they use them for haram things and impure things like pork and alcohol, then you have to wash them before you use them. But if you don't know that, then the asal and the basis is, that their utensils and their clothes and their manufactured items and their production, it's permissible to use and it's pure, without even having to wash it. You can go to the shop of a kafir and buy some clothes from him, and you can use them and wear them without having to wash them first. You can go to the, uh, 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 a pottery shop of some kafir and buy some cl- uh, cups and plates and use them without having to wash them. It's not an obligation in that instance. The final hadith, the hadith of Anas, anhu. أن قدح النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم من فاتخذ مكان سلسلة أو سلسلة من فضة The hadith of Anas ibn Malik, and we already mentioned I think that Anas ibn Malik, he was the servant of the Prophet صلى الله عليه وسلم, And the Prophet صلى had a qadah. That is a type of utensil. It's a type of utensil. Uh, الَّذِي كَانَ يَسْتَعْمِلُهُ النَّبِيُ صلى الله عليه وسلم ina'an min khashab, And it was a, a, a utensil, a type of vessel, a cup or a plate type of thing that was made from wood. In Qasara, It broke. This particular utensil of the Prophet wasallam it broke. Meaning not broke, completely smashed, but there was a crack in it. There was a crack that occurred within this utensil of the Prophet uh, So he put into this crack, the place where this crack was, فَاتَّخَذَ مَكَانَ الشَّعْبَ سِلْسِلَةَ مِنْ Silver. He put into this crack an amount of silver, a type of silver, meaning he filled that crack with some silver. And this is an issue that we briefly mentioned previously already. Here now, uh, Abu Dawood has the the narration also anna qad hadd an-nabi sallam kana fi halqa min hadid fa arada anasa an yaj'ala makanaha min fidda fa qalu lahu la tughayyir shay'an min sun'i rasulullah sallam fa tarakahu fa hadha dalil ala anna anasa lam yughayyir shay'an fi al-qadah wa anna alladhi wada'a hadhihi al-halqa wa hadhihi as-silsila huwa rasulullah sallam so this narration indicates the One who put the silver into that crack and to fix it was the Prophet ﷺ himself and not Anas. Because some narrations they seem to indicate that it was Anas ibn Malik who did that. But the reality it was the Prophet ﷺ who himself did that. So this crack, it was filled up, it was uh, sealed up with silver. So it's mentioned that the Prophet sallam it's as if he stitched up he sealed up the crack with some silver. Then it says al al habl al min سواء كانت من حديد ومن غيره. The silsila that's mentioned is like a rope that is made up of uh, many small circles like a chain, like a small chain made from silver. And that is what was used to put into this crack to fill it up with. الحديث فِيهِ ala عَلَى جَوَازْ الْإِنَاءِ إِذَاً كَسَرَ مِنْ مِنْ أَجْلِ إصلاحه. This is the issue that we previously mentioned, that it is permissible to fill a crack in a utensil to fix it with some silver. وَيَكُونُ هَذَا مُسْتَثْنًا مِنْ hadith And that is the exception to the previous ahadith, that said, al-ladhi yashrabu fi anyatil dhahbi wal-fiddah, in the majjarujiru fi batnihi nara jahannam. That the one who drinks in the utensils of gold and silver, then it is the fire of paradise that he is drinking. La tashrabu fi anyatil dhahbi wal-fiddah, wa la taakulu fi sahafihah. Do not eat in the uh, utensils of gold and silver, and do not drink in their pla- uh, do not drink do not drink in the utensils of gold and silver, and do not eat in their plates. All of those we mentioned, gold and silver utensils, you cannot use them. But this is the one exception where a little bit of silver is allowed. If you have a crack in a utensil, you can fill it up with that small amount of silver. And that is something that we mentioned already. What if you have a small crack in some utensil and you fill it up with a small amount of gold? Permissible or not? Impermissible. It is only silver that is allowed. And like we said, Shaykh Falah, when he was describing or explaining this issue, he said, nowadays people don't really understand this issue because it's not really implemented. If you break your cup now or a crack happens in it, then straight away the people would just brush it up and throw it up into the bin. Nobody cares about fixing a glass now or a cup now that you can buy for 10p. But this is something that they used to do in those days when their cups and their utensils were only a few in number. If a crack occurred, they would have to fix them. So here the Prophet Wasallam fixed that crack by sealing it up with the silver. And that is permissible. So to round this off now, the issues that are mentioned in all of these ahadith, al-mas'ala al في حديث أبي ثعلب رضي الله عنه مشروعية سؤال أهل العلم This is one of the benefits that can be taken from these ahadith, which is that you ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. Abu ثعلب al رضي الله Anhu, when he wasn't sure about the utensils of the kuffar, he went to the Prophet and he asked him, what do we do, are we allowed to use them or not? And that indicates the principle as mentioned in the Quran, أَهْلَ إِنْ in لَا تَعْلَمُونَ Then ask the people of knowledge if you do not know. Al Masala hadith in in that one, in the Hadith of Abu it indicates you cannot use the utensils except with two conditions, and that is if you can't find anything else and if you wash it. However, as we've now indicated that the hadith of Imran ibn Hussein and all of the other evidences indicate that that is only recommended and out of precaution. And if you know that they are using it for those uh, impure things. Otherwise, it is not an obligation to have to wash them because the impurity of the kuffar is not a physical impurity. And that is the summarization of that issue. And by that, we conclude the chapter concerning the utensils of the kuffar. What is the point of this final ahadith about using the utensils of the kuffar? We're talking about purification here. What's the link? The link is clear. Imagine now you need to make wudu. And you have some water, but it, the water is stored in a utensil from the utensils of the kuffar. That water is in a utensil from the utensils of the kuffar. Are you allowed to use that water to make wudu or not? Is it pure or not? Then the answer here is yes. Even if it is poured in a utensil, a cup or a vase or a, uh, a bowl that is from the kuffar, you can use that water, it's pure. The utensil is pure. And that is the purpose of mentioning this in this chapter. That is the end of that chapter. And inshallah from tomorrow, we'll begin the chapter, بَاب najasa wa Bayaniha, The chapter concerning removing impurities and explaining that the different types of impurities and how they are to be removed for example alcohol, if some alcohol falls on your clothes or things like that these types of issues we'll go on to discuss next, uh, also concerning the issues of uh, semen and intercourse and how to make uh, purification from that these types of issues inshallah will begin with from tomorrow So we'll conclude there for now.